Welcome, welcome, welcome to our special drive-through open house. I'm Dr. Nigel Channing, chairman of the Imagination Institute. Hello. On your tour, you'll see how the five human senses can help capture your imagination. Oh, oh, come on, go to! Absolutely not. Uh, this is one of our discoveries, the figment of imagination. Yeah, I know all about the senses. There's sight, sound, smell, touch, coochie coochie go, and taste. Taste like chicken. I don't do that tongue thing. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersock. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Instagram at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, it is a new year, and it is also a new moon. Uh, we are about one week removed from celebrating the Lunar New Year event. Um, it's a big thing in the Bay Area. There's tons of Chinese culture and heritage here. Um, and we, we definitely observe it at my place of work. We like to do like little shindigs and stuff. We tend to have all hands meetings around this time of year. So uh, it's something that I've started to kind of look forward to on an annual basis. Uh, and we've got uh, we've got a new animal in the mix this year. Last year we had the rabbits. We threw down a bracket for that. And this year we're talking dragons, baby. Yeah, and in fact, the Bay Area is so excited to be celebrating this Lunar New Year that one of our dragons is the master of ceremonies at the Lunar New Year celebration in San Francisco. Uh, Yeah, it's a great time of year in the Bay Area. It's a great time of year because Disney really leans into the Lunar New Year celebrations, both in their marketing campaigns and the parks. They love to go all out because they've got a plethora of animals to choose from, and and the dragons are just one of those. So I'm super stoked to be talking all about that and bringing back us a little Lunar New Year energy. It's a couple of folks who are just down in the parks to celebrate and returning back to the to the podcast as guest hosts. It's Eric and Alyssa. Welcome back, you two. Hello, hello. We're so excited to be back and talking about dragons. Good to be back. Good to be back. I think it's been a while, guys. It's been like a, I think it's been a year plus. So it's nice to, we, we do this all the time. We, we talk to you guys. <laughs> via the podcast and we talk to each other about yeah. Disney stuff. So it's good to be back. My voice is weird because we literally, I literally uh, am recovering uh, my voice from too much fun at Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> too much, too much yelling and screaming. Eric has blacked out on a number of rides screaming. <laughs> <laughs> One of which was Guardians, but we don't have to oh, talk about that. <laughs> Oh, we are gonna, we're going to talk all about your trip uh, to lead off part two. But um, before we even get to that, I'm excited to talk to you to you both about uh, dragons because we often have you on and and Eric can bring that bio angle. And I don't know if that bio angle is going to show up here <laughs> with the dragons unless you're going to break down a little science of the dragons, which I'm super stoked about. Um, so we all have a Chinese zodiac sign based yep. on the year that we're born. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney has designated us animals based on that zodiac sign. 
Eric and Alyssa, what is your Chinese zodiac sign? We are born the same year, which is the year of the dog. Year of the dog. And according to Disney, I'm sure that you can assume who it is. It's Pluto. Oh. Classic. Yeah. We're, classic, uh, classic we're not going to talk about he's a dog of a dog, right? Well, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Are you, is, are you oh, happy with the, with the Pluto pick? Is there another dog that you'd rather have? Is there a better dog? Pluto's pretty good. The dog from Up. I mean, Ooh. Goofy, the Goof Bolt. family is in the mix as well. I love the Goof family. I, like that. <laughs> I wouldn't choose the Goof family over <laughs> Pluto. Sorry. <laughs> I like Pluto. Pluto's pretty good. Pluto's yeah. a good pick. That's a classic one. Chris, what's your sign? I think I'm a monkey. I think 92 is, is monkey. Is that right? Uh, let me go ahead and check my <laughs> handy dandy chart. 92 is indeed the monkey. Your little Abu boy. Oh, oh no! Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh the reaction says he wants a I different know. monkey. Ooh. I mean, I was thinking it had to be Rafiki, and I was like, "Oh, I would probably take Rafiki because I like his the the way he combines wisdom with like eccentric eccentricity." Sure. Um. Yeah. So I was not expecting Abu. I don't know. You've got a few a few solid monkey characters. You've got um King Louis. You've King got Louis. Kerchak and Kala from Tarzan. Yeah. You've got I see a ton of monkeys to choose from. Yeah, you have the <laughs> aren't there like monkeys in Ryan the last year? Yeah, there are. are. They're, yeah, they're kind of like annoying, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably take Rafiki over Abu personally. Okay. Mine Which is was? the uh the year of the rooster. And this chart that I'm looking at from Disney is written in 2015. So I've escaped the hey, hey nonsense. Thank goodness. Good. Because that movie's Good. from 2016. Uh, they have me as Alan a day. Of course. Of course. Which I'm not going to give up. That is, no. that is the rooster. That is who I yeah. would always go with is Alan a day. Um, but we're going to be talking about dragons. Yeah. And in order to do that, we need a little bit of a spoonful of sugar. Chris, what have you concocted this week? Well, in a case of the egg came before the chicken, I was inspired, not inspired, but like reminded to do this annual podcast uh, in early January when I was at Total Wine. Uh, and I saw a beer <laughs> called Dragon's Milk, to be specific, <laughs> the legendary Dragon's Milk from Dragon's Milk Cellar. Uh, and this is brewed in. Holland, Michigan. All right. Um, <laughs> and okay, so yeah, it's called Dragon's Milk. It is a bourbon. Oh my god! I was gonna comment are... on the milk thing. Usually, dragons are suspected to be reptiles. Why they're right, producing so milk? We're already after it. We're I already know. after it. We know they lay eggs. So I'm like, why right. do they have milk? What's the purpose of the milk? So this is a bourbon barrel aged stout, and I don't like bourbon, and I don't like stouts. <laughs> Barrels, jury's still out on them, um, <laughs> but I had to buy the beer because it was called Dragon's Milk. Uh, so I'm, and in the name of the new year, I'm going to embrace new experiences and we're going <laughs> to give this bourbon barrel aged stout uh, a try and we're going to see how we like it. Kyle does not look very confident. I am not at all. Things you don't like mixed mm. into one. <laughs> Let's combine oh. them. You know, I, I, I. I don't like it, but I also, <laughs> <laughs> I also don't hate it. So uh, I, I will continue drinking it. Okay. 
I think we're okay here. Okay. Um, very, cho- it's like, tastes kind of like dark chocolate with like maybe a little coffee taste too. Okay. Nice. Just a little beer taste as well. I don't know. Um, Kyle, what are you drinking? Yeah. So I'm taking a, a bit of a break from the cocktail making and I'm going to go. Oh, oh, so, sorry. Timer, timer just went off because. Uh, you got to know that it's Denog no. time on the pod, baby. It's Denog time on the pod. I'm drinking a Dragon Denog. If you don't know what the Denogonizer is, it's a double IPA straight out of Drake's Brewing. Uh, and it is a 9.75. And Ooh. when you have one of these, you're going to feel like taking flight like a dragon. Let me tell you that. I'm going to be spitting fire on part two. I mean, already. Down. It's nog time on the pod, baby. I'm um, ready can, to rock. Kyle, can you confirm a report that you were actually reposted by the official Drake's Brewing account in your own kitchen screaming it's denog time before I, drinking a denogonizer? I can confirm. I am officially the poster boy for denog time, thanks to Kyle Madsen, who posted a, a very drunk me letting everyone know that it was Denog time on my birthday this year. Uh, and I, they responded and reposted me. And they love Denog time. I'm the poster child of Denog time. Hey, Drakes, you want to spawn? <laughs> We're looking for a spoonful of sugar spawn. We'll drink all the Drakes on this podcast. Eric and Alyssa, what are you two drinking? We are drinking uh, the cocktail Jungle Bird, which I realize doesn't have anything to do with Jungle dragon. Cruise Bird. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Birds are similar to dragons too, I guess. They are. Um, We did make this from home. We're missing simple syrup, so it's a little bit mid, as they say. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. As they can say. It's not as sweet. It's midi. It's It's, midi. (laughs) But uh, I did try a dragon cocktail at the parks this weekend, and it was amazing. It was like lychee and rum and Chinese five spice. It was really good. Well, I mean, birds are like the next descendant to uh, dinosaurs, right? And dragons are pretty close to to a dinosaur-like thing. So. Yeah. You're you're on the same same theme there. <laughs> All right, uh, let's hop into some dragon talk here. And demographic that we have chosen uh, is actually handpicked by me. Uh, in the changing of the parks, we have a new mountain showing up. In fact, oh, we, we have do? a new salt mine showing up. Uh, Splash Mountain is gone. Tiana's Bayou Adventure is in, and because of that, there are a plethora of fan Facebook pages that are lamenting the the going aways of Splash Mountain. And they are sobbing, they are crying, they are behind locked Facebook groups. And guess what? I've been joining them. <laughs> I've been joining these Facebook groups because it is free entertainment on a very bad website that is Facebook. Well, recently, one of them uh, was infiltrated by pro Tiana folks. And that group got upset. So upset that they made a new one. And so I joined that one too. They are like the citizens of Pawnee in these groups <laughs> and I cannot get enough of it. So in order to lighten the mood of all the angry people that had to move on to this new group, I said, hey, I'm looking for some help here. I, I have a podcast. We're talking Lunar New Year Dragons. Let's let's have a little bit of positive talk here. Tell me your favorite Disney dragons. And there's actually quite a few. So we're able to get a bunch of them, uh, but some missed the dance, of course. Chris. What's a dragon that you feel like got left off this bracket? Shout out to the Black Cauldron, 
which I feel like the last couple times Eric and Alyssa have been on this podcast, we've had some black <laughs> mm-hmm. cauldron talk. Uh, but the Gwythaints, I think is how you say it. Uh, they are basically flying monkeys is to the Wicked Witch of the West right. as Gwythaints are to the Horned King in the Black Cauldron. Very authentic, like mythical dragon type creatures they don't have a whole lot of character to them so not surprised they didn't make it here but just wanted to call out um that movie once again sure sure um one for me is the hell dragon from mr toad's wild ride at disneyland oh yeah Uh, once you get hit by that train and get sentenced to hell uh, you encounter a dragon and it's often uh, there's also like little tiny like devil dragons that are all over the place. But the big dragon head is the one that always stands out to me. I get why he didn't make it. It's not one that you think of when you think of a Disney dragon, but he'd be lurking. He'd be lurking. Eric and Alyssa, any dragons didn't, that didn't make this bracket that you feel like maybe you could have had a chance? Um, my, my brother and I were just watching a uh, like the... A, uh, off it's a disney studios production it's called the owl house did any of y'all ever see this mm. amazing 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 set sort of what i told my brother was like this is like a bastard child like they're not acknowledging mm. this it, but it was amazing bunch of dragon characters popping up like sort of uh like amorphic sort of uh animal to jump back and forth between being a talisman and being these little animals so mm. i gotta recommend the owl house because it was like very progressive to the point oh. where it, it was it was shocking how but there was a, a iconic character string bean google this the string owl house <laughs> string, string bean string bean is like a a talisman uh, uh yeah, yeah yeah the owl house there we go string beans coming up on our screen it's like a little cat dragon um but i want to shout out the owl house I'm, I'm sure people who listen to this know this um but i was shocked to see that it had three seasons and i'd never heard of it a couple of what recurring it looks characters. like chris is googling it Dude, what are you finding he's watching on youtube I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this okay for all my pokemon uh knowers out <laughs> yeah, there, there i don't want to call them fans if you know pokemon dratini the <laughs> yeah. first version of uh, dragon dragon gyarados right yeah, yeah that's yeah. the yeah. first version of the gyarados string bean looks like that but with a cat head yeah. <laughs> and string like bean you. does do that tongue thing apparently string bean is a cute name it <laughs> is a cute name That's and they're called palismen so it's like a talisman who's your pal so they have like these <laughs> animal characters oh, that cool. hang out and shape shift that's the word i was looking for um very very i, I don't know this it's, it was a cool like queer centric uh, uh disney studio animated show as well so i was like huh. i'm gonna recommend this on the pod out the owl house i think it's only three seasons and then they were like, too much too much stuff that I can make <laughs> too progressive we've done too much listen <laughs> for you or are you just piling on to the honestly i couldn't we were in line thinking about this episode at disneyland and i was like what dragons are there like i only know mushu and like maybe we <laughs> named four but like yeah so honestly i had no idea no yeah well, this. lucky for you, we've got 15 others aside from Mushu <laughs> that we are going to introduce right now. Let's go ahead and cue up that dramatic music. And I'll go ahead and go first. Disappearing on you at the number one seat is Elliot from Peach Dragon. Your worst nightmare coming in at number two is Mushu. Throwing a dragon fit at the three seed is Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. Swimming into the four spot is Sisu from Raya and the Last Dragon. 
evolving into a menace at the number five seed is Figment from the Journey into Imagination attraction. How poetic that the number six seed is the reluctant dragon himself from the reluctant dragon. Blazy might want a piece of string bean at the number seven seed. It's Blazy from Onward. Fighting his way to the number eight spot is Jake Long from American Dragon Jake Long. Burning down the house at the number nine seed is Murphy the Dragon from Phantasmic. Fulfilling all of the Disney stereotypes at once is the number 10 seed Queen Nerissa from Enchanted. Terrifying guests at the number 11 seed is the dragon from the castle <laughs> at the Paris Park. <laughs> Uh, that has a name that I'm not even going to yeah. attempt to pronounce. Come on, Eisner, give us the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Eisner would say La Tanier du Dragon Attraction. Playing dirty at number 12 is Madame Mim from Sword in the Stone. Faking it till they make it at number 13 seed is the Great Stone Dragon from Mulan. Putting its heads together at number 14 is the Hydra from Hercules. From a gas to some rubble at the number 15 seed is the Cursed Dragon from Onward. And taking a bow at number 16 and rounding out the bracket from the Muppets is Uncle Deadly. <laughs> Eric and Alyssa, we've, we've talked about Mushu before yeah. since you all have been on this bracket. So other than Mushu, are there any other dragons that you look at on this bracket and you're like, I could see them making a run for it. I think Hydra is has my money. <laughs> Interesting. Hydra and potentially Jake Long. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jake. I mean, I do love a trans, like a, a subtle dragon, right? There's a lot of like extra mm. uh, cl climactic dragons here. I'm excited to see. The, uh, I'm excited to talk about the Great Stone Dragon too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to go into there. <laughs> Is we got to dig into that. <laughs> we got to talk about, we got to talk about ancestor <laughs> dragons and ancestral <laughs> dragon powers. That should be good. All right. I can start things off then with the number one seed Elliot versus number 16, Uncle Deadly. Let's start with Uncle Deadly because y'all might not know who Uncle Deadly from the Muppets is. And I would excuse you for, for not knowing <laughs> Uncle Deadly. During the original run of the Muppets show, Uncle Deadly, Uncle du Uncle Dudley, Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Dursley, um, Uncle Deadly only appeared in a couple of episodes, and he didn't actually make his first appearance until he came in alongside Vincent Price himself as yeah. sort of like a, a henchman type character, but his whole shtick was that he was like the phantom of the opera of the Muppets. Uh, right. He was a little bit fancier than the other Muppets, which was a nice addition to the roster because the Muppets are a little bit crass. They're a little bit basic in their sense of humor. And so it was nice to throw that Uncle Deadly character into the mix to kind of be um, a little bit of a contrast to yeah. what the show brings. Right. Fast forward a few decades and you've got these Muppet movies through the 80s and the 90s and Uncle Deadly really did not appear in any of those other than just a couple of scenes. He was involved in a Disney promo with Michael Eisner where he uh, helped destroy his suit or something of that nature. Uh, but Uncle Deadly really made a comeback with the Muppets movie that was released in the 2010s. He was the 
villainous minion to uh, the primary antagonist of that film who was trying to find oil underneath the Muppet <laughs> studio or whatever. So <laughs> yes. Uncle Deadly really got his moment to shine. We are considering him a dragon in this matchup, uh, although the Muppets have never really specifically stated that he's a dragon, but he definitely has a lot of dragon-like features. He's got that long snout. He's got those demon eyes, the fangs, the horns. He's even got a nice little tail. It's really difficult with some of these dragons because... Much like the way we talk about a lot of the Disney animals on this podcast, some of them are just normal characters, but with an animal skin put on them. And that's mm -hmm. really what I think of when I think of Uncle Deadly. Other than the fact maybe that like dragons are traditionally pretty menacing creatures. And while Uncle Deadly isn't necessarily like an antagonist to the Muppets, He's probably the one that's the most threatening in, in like a primal sense. Yeah. He's up against Elliot, which if y'all know me, you know, I have a very soft spot for <laughs> Pete's dragon. Um, yeah. The dragon is named Elliot. The dragon is not seen. Pete is not named Pete. We're going to make that mistake throughout this episode and the next. So just <laughs> forgive us there. Um, Elliot is an imaginary dragon. Sort of. Sort of uh, yeah. He is an imaginary dragon that somehow has the ability to like impact the physical world as well. Right. Um, and, and show himself to like some people, but not others. Yeah. And the thing that I really like about Elliot is that he has this power uh, not like a magical power, but like he is, he has this fierceness to him that he's probably withholding a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the most trademark defining features of a dragon. Like the dragon is traditionally the final boss. They are the most ferocious creature that the human mind has ever conjured up. That isn't just like, you know, uh, some type of strange sci-fi <laughs> creation. Um, or something we'll actually talk about a little bit later when we talk about Madame Mim. But um, I like that Elliot is framed as kind of like this friendly dragon, right? Uh, he is scary to those that threaten him, but he is nice to those who he wants to defend. And I think those are really solid dragon qualities. Elliot himself is like the main character of the Main Street Electrical Parade. <laughs> which for a lot of modern Disney fans, that's kind of what they know him from. Totally. Um, and I think it's such a random seeming character for them to really just like put his face on this whole historic um, parade. I just, I think that's really cool. You've got a musical element with him as well. Uh, and while the movie maybe isn't great, hasn't held up the best. Um, I think Elliot has definitely endured the test of time. I think he's a really worthy number one seed and I definitely like him over Uncle Deadly here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Like it, I don't think that Elliot can be taken down in the first round by a Muppet <laughs> and I don't think in the way that we know Disney Dragons, it, it's not Uncle Deadly. Uh, to answer your like why would Elliot, who I want to call Elliot, but then I also want to call Pete Elliot. He like, looks like me, an Pete, Elliot. To me, Pete's not in this movie. They're both Elliot. <laughs> like, like I, I can't, I don't, he doesn't seem like a Pete. You're correct. He seems like an Elliot. So I want to call the kid Elliot. 
But Elliot the dragon has Elliot the boy on his back during the electrical parade. Electrical parade really got going around 1975. It shows up in 1972. Uh, and Peach Dragon uh, shows up in 1977. So it was probably a big push to be like, this is our most recent technological feat of live action and animation together. Go see it. Look, it's also now the main thing of our parade. So uh, I think it was kind of a marketing thing that then hmm. stuck, became a mainstay for the rest of the parade. I agree with you. Eric and Alyssa, Elliot, the dragon, not the little boy, is moving on here in this bracket. I'm assuming you would have done the same. Yeah. Yeah, it tracks. Do you have any love for Elliot? Like, in general? Like, are you a fan of Elliot the Dragon? Are you a fan of Pete's Dragon? I'm a fan of Pete's Dragon. I'm kind of with you guys. Like, I think we're going to... We'll talk about guardian dragons later. But um, just the idea of the dragon... Dragons as guardians. And I think he's he's a Ooh. he's a prolific one. Like, who's the best guardian dragon? Who has that... Who can summon that protector energy in the way they need to and still guard and take care of whoever they're taking care of. So, yeah, I'll save that. Mm, that's a great great point because this next matchup we're talking a little bit about a guardian dragon and that's jake long the american dragon taking on uh murphy the dragon at uh, the number nine seed i had never seen a single episode of american dragon jake long chris had you uh no eric Alyssa? i did but i couldn't like tell you now what it was about i mean or like who the characters were really but i did like yeah. the animation style yeah my brother was the big like anime guy so i was picking mm. his brain so well, yeah i mean cool show i mean from what he was talking about did you watch it kyle uh well i threw on it? an episode today and let me tell you yeah i'm in <laughs> i'm in uh this this show only had two seasons it was on the disney channel then went to syndication and played on, you know, Disney XD and uh, every other iteration of the Disney Channel spinoffs for years and years and years. But it's that exact same animation style as Kim Possible, as The Proud Family. And it all revolved around that same time. So you got Jake Long, who's this Chinese-American dude living in New York City, mm. who is part of a family who all have this power to summon their like dragon self. And so when he turns 13, he's able to summon that power. And so then he gets put into situations as all of these animated sitcoms in which he needs to summon that power to help save the day, save the world, save New York City, save his friend group. No, no matter how trivial or how big, like he's going to transform to that dragon. He's going to get the task done, right? So the one that I watched today was about these twins that could tell the future, one good, one bad. And there was these other little minions that were after these like human twins and Jake Long had to protect them. Uh, and it, it's just, it's a quick 20 minute, you know, classic Disney Channel episode. And it was really funny. Um, but Jake Long as a dragon himself is pretty sick. So like he has to battle this whole, it's the same thing in every show at that era. I've got this thing that's special about me, but I also got to balance it with being a normal teenager. <laughs> How am I going to do that? That's what this show really is. So Jake Hong, uh, when he transforms into this dragon, it's sick, bro. He turns into like jacked Mushu. He is just like this red dragon. He's got the yellow stomach. He's got the 
the green spiky scales that are like his hair when he's a boy. Uh, and then he's got the spiky hair on top and he's just buff and he just looks cool. He just looks cool. He can do basically anything. Like there's not a ton that this dragon cannot do. Um, but my favorite part, at least in this one episode, and I have a feeling that it is how it is in every other episode. When Jake Long as a dragon fights, he will have catchphrases. He'll make fighting puns. He'll be a, as obnoxious and as cocky as like a 13-year-old with superpowers would. He's very similar to like a Spider-Man, right? So in the one that I was watching, he puts somebody in a trash can and goes, put a lid on it and puts the lid on top of the trash can. Also, apparently when he like becomes the dragon, his catchphrase, his catchphrase is dragon up and then he becomes a dragon. It is just like peak middle 2000s. It is. It's so funny and so incredible and only two seasons. So that's something if you're into like animation, if you're into Disney animation, like that's a quick watch that you can go ahead and get through maybe on the background as like a comfort show, but I had a great time watching it. So that's, that's kind of Jake Long, really. And he's up against Murphy the Dragon, who has had a storied history and an awful demise, <laughs> especially recently. If you've seen the show Fantasmic, uh, I'm not going to dive into the entire show Fantasmic, but Mickey's dream goes haywire, and at the end, Maleficent tries to kill him by transforming into a dragon. That can, you know, spit fire, do all of the things that she can do in the movie. And then originally in 1992, Murphy the dragon was this big dragon head on essentially a cherry picker. Uh, but it can move pretty freely and it moved pretty realistically, especially when they weren't putting on a ton of lights. I watched a 92 show uh, today in preparation for this. Shout out our boy once again, Carter, Carter Sauce. Sauce. Yeah. For, uh, <laughs> Throwing on those retro uh, sh- Disneyland shows. Shout out Parade Bracket. So I watched it and it, it's very convincing. Glowing eyes, massive head. It doesn't spit out like fire that I remember. Maybe it does, but it was realistic. And then there is a time in uh, 2009 in which there was a promotion called the Summer of Magic or something. No, what Summer Night Tastic. Summer Night Tastic, in which they were going to plus up the night, get people to stay past. The fireworks get people to stay after dark and they advertised a new dragon. We're going to have this big animatronic dragon. It's going to be the sickest thing you've ever seen. And they couldn't get it to work. So throughout 2009, they're advertising this thing and it never actually was able to work. And so we get to like September uh, and finally this dragon appears and it's big inflatable animatronic. Uh, During the sequence, there's a water screen that goes up. As the water screen is blocking the inflatable animatronic, it goes back down and there's a massive dragon in front of you. Spewing out fire, doing all of the dragon things. Mickey shoots, shoots in the head. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. And then boom, down goes Murphy. Mickey saves the day. Well, in that time, there was a lot of mechanical issues. Sometimes the dragon wouldn't work. There was even an instance in which the dragon uh, inflated, popped up, and then just hung. <laughs> And did it just was in view, just leaning forward, just <laughs> and the show just had to go on. Uh, and, and once they got it back up and running, it was all good until April 2023. Park guests were back after uh, three years of hell. We're enjoying a, a wonderful time at the parks. Nothing can go wrong. We just we're in the middle of a pandemic, but we're seeing better days. 
the magic of Disney is great. Oh no, Murphy's on fire. Oops. Some sort of issue happened where it was leaking fluid that was dripping. And so when the fire went out, it caught the liquid on fire, burning this animatronic to the ground, (laughs) which is bonkers. (laughs) That's Murphy. RIP. We don't know what that new reincarnation is going to be, but it's definitely not that one because that one burnt it down. Were so, people witnessing him burning down? Oh, yeah. Go yep. ahead. It was during the show. Thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and Google that thing. It Money. is something to see. Yeah. The the soundtrack's still going, you know, and it's like the evil cackle soundtrack. It's not even Murphy dying yet. Mommy. It's fantastic Mick. I'm going to go Jake Long here. I'm going to go Jake Long. I think that Murphy the Dragon was a great part of the Disney Parks experience, but it still doesn't feel like Disney Dragon. Like Maleficent's Dragon, who we'll talk about later, like that's a better dragon than this Murphy Dragon, who felt like a big inflatable that spewed fire, as opposed to other parks sort of dragons that we'll see later on. So I'm gonna go Jake Long. Yeah, it's a Murphy is a Disneyland meme for parks <laughs> parks regulars. And I I'm so sad because it feels like the last thing that I don't hate about like (laughs) the new wave of Disney parks culture, you know, like it was, it was this like organic thing that everyone agreed on. No one was mad about it. Like it was like an us versus them moment for, you know, the, the parks regulars versus Disney. Disney was doing a very bad job with the way they were handling the the situation publicly when they were trying to get the dragon into the show originally. And you just know that they'd never do anything like that again, where there's false starts and it just feels like a, a totally organic human experience that we were all a part of. And to see it go up in flames in such a spectacular way was so fitting. And it yeah. brought tears, like happy tears to my eyes <laughs> seeing that. You know, thank goodness no one was hurt. Um, but I was just like, wow, what an incredible, surreal thing to happen to this dragon of anything that could start on fire in right. the Disneyland park. For it to be right. this dragon, it was just, it's just one of those things where you go, there is a higher power. And that higher power hates this dragon. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I mean, I would love to advance Murphy onto the next round because I just, I love the story so much, but we are talking about best Disney dragon and Murphy is really one of the worst Disney dragons uh, and ultimately (laughs) did cause a lot of frustration for people who are just trying to get their Fantasmic on. So I'm I'm with you and and we can move Jake Long onto the next round. Eric and Alyssa, uh, thoughts on, on that one? Let's go, Jake Long. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, definitely cool. Um, I just want to take the, if I could just have a minute to maybe just Boy, shout yes. out Murphy's Dragon. So, Fantasmic, uh, you know, just that's something that used to be in my household. And, you know, it's something that I used to watch. And so, while I have the, the air time, I just wanted to <clears throat> give a shout out to both the end of Fantasmic as well as the end of Murphy's Dragon by saying, this is, this is, this is my dream. This is my dream. <laughs> Dude, do it. 
I need to just I say it. goodbye to Murphy's <laughs> This is my dream. My voice I'll, is gone. I'm sorry. I'm too- I'll tell you one thing. You did not want to be on the bus back home from grad night with us because that's all we were saying on the way home from our high school grad night. Well, this is my dream. Oh, my gosh. Um, Let's move on to the next matchup. <laughs> it is um, Sisu, the number four seed from Raya and the Last Dragon, versus the Great Stone Dragon, the number 13 seed from Mulan. Really great matchup, honestly, because you have two Eastern dragons that are mythological in, in nature in their respective uh, fictional worlds. So Raya and the Last Dragon has this really phenomenal lore that it lays out in the movie. Really, really, really long story short, there were five dragons and they got got by the Droons. They decided, four of them decided that Sisu would be the holder of the dragon pearl or dragon orb or dragon stone, I think maybe it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Raya's uh, became like the protector of it and then it shattered and then she's trying to find all the pieces. So anyways, Raya meets up with Sisu. So when you think of ancestral dragon, you think of something like the great stone dragon who mm-hmm. has, who's, who's very regal, regal and uh, represents this power and is impenetrable in so many ways. Sisu is none of those things. Uh, Sisu claims that her best quality is that she's a strong swimmer, which is totally true. She is a, a water dragon, but her real superpower is one that is one that exists in like a lot of these Disney movies where like, oh, the real power was inside of you the whole time. Or like, my mm-hmm. superpower is being super loving or having super courage. And Sisu sort of represents that as a hero in Raya and the Last Dragon. She's very naive and at the beginning of the movie painted as someone who's maybe hindering the adventure because she doesn't really have a good sense of the stakes of the situation that she's in, but um, she brings that human nature that softens Raya's hard exterior. So anyway, um, she does represent power and the, the thing that she represents that I like the most is she represents unity. And that is a feature of um, the Chinese Zodiac dragon. It's one of its strongest qualities Mm. is, is unity. Raya in the last dragon is set in the kingdom of Kumandra and all of the parts of Kumandra are, they're not like at war with one another, but they are fractured and they don't really have good relationships. They all sort of live in silos um, but they eventually all come together to defeat the Droons, led in large part by Sisu. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's really important to consider when we think of why we're really doing this bracket. Sure. She's also obviously, you know, a very central figure in the movie, which is somewhat rare uh, for Disney dragons. I also just like love the uh, the animation of of this character, like the way she moves about the screen the the colors she has a sequence where she swims underwater and it's just really really beautiful really kind yeah. of like makes you think that you know not all dragons have to be like flying fire breathing menaces you know like hashtag they can not be all these, dragons dude. hashtag not all dragons not all dragons they can be they can be elegant like this they can be beautiful 
Uh, and so I, I, yeah, like I said, I just like those qualities she brings to the table. Sure. The great stone dragon is the Fa family ancestor that all of the other ancestors call upon to go out and save Mulan, who yeah. has gone, who has run away from home. She chopped all her hair off and she's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go roll with the boys mm-hmm. and I'm going to go kick some honey bun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the ancestor said, we got, we got to send a protector. We got we got to send the big guns because this is not going to end well. So they're like, we got to get the stone dragon in the mix, um, which again, up. which again, sort of a reference to like this unity thing, uh, because Mulan is presented as having the weight of all of her ancestors on her shoulders. As we see, they don't get along very well. Uh, <laughs> and so they all agree on one thing. And that is that the stone dragon is the ultimate protector of, of the Fat family. Unfortunately, we don't ever get to see him do his thing because he gets broked by Mushu. Fractured, fractured family, fractured dragon. Totally fractured. And um, that's all I have to say about the stone yeah. dragon, really. I, I, th- I think I'm going to go with Sisu on this one. I just think she has a stronger role to play in the movie. Uh, I really like that the great stone dragon is um, mentioned a little bit because I think his existence helps enhance Mushu's character, who we'll talk about in a little bit, but it's got to be Sisu for me. The thing about Sisu is I don't like her. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I, I hinted at this at the beginning. Uh, the voice of Sisu is Aquafina. Aquafina is here in San Francisco because she is the uh, the marshal, the, uh, the person of honor for the celebration at, in Chinatown. I don't like her. I don't like Aquafina. I don't like the characters that she continues to play because they're all the same. Take a, a snippet of her voice saying a line, put it to all of her characters, all the same. She's about to be in the new Kung Fu Panda movie playing the same character she always plays. Tired of her. It made the character this dragon, which on purpose is supposed to be a little bit more of the naive, the clumsy, the, you know, Raya has to really lead her to do her job sort of thing. I wish this movie was just Raya. I wish Raya f- found a different way. I wish she found the dragon and we didn't have to see the dragon. The dragon was the end goal instead of the journey. It's just, it. it's just Raya and the last. Yeah, Raya and the last. No dragons here. <laughs> no, just let it. Yeah, we'll just let it linger. I'm going with the Great Stone Dragon because I don't like Sisu. So we're going to throw it as wow. a, uh, a tiebreaker <laughs> to Eric and Alyssa. <laughs> I was not expecting that um, because on one hand you have Raya and the Last Dragon is the title of the movie where the last dragon is imperative to the plot and helps Raya achieve her goal. And then you have the great stone dragon that was literally a prop that (laughs) broke and pushed Mushu on to his journey. So, I mean, you make some great points, Kyle, but I would have to say Sisu. (laughs) But I agree with you about Aquafina for the record. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Being tired annoying. of that voice. <laughs> tired of the, the the voice for sure. That that is that is A okay. I gave no valid arguments. <laughs> and that was probably the right decision. All right, let's end the side of the bracket with a little a little purple on purple action here. We've got Figment taking on Madam Mim, the number five versus the number twelve. Figment is a character from Epcot. 
there is a, a, a attraction currently called Journey into Imagination with Figment. Before that, it was Journey into Your Imagination. And before that, it was Journey into Imagination. Journey into Imagination was a attraction that was hosted by this character called the Dreamfinder and this dragon that he created from his own imagination called Figment, aka Figment of Your Imagination. Uh, Figment was a really kind of like a childlike character, one that was curious, one that was going to show you all of the different sparks around, around you that you can use to influence your own imagination. And that was the attraction. You would go through this, this ride. Uh, there would be a bunch of little sparks. The song One Little Spark would be playing. Shout out Sherman Brothers. Figment would be pointing things out or even demonstrating how those could be combined to be an idea and an, uh, an imaginative thing and how the world runs on imagination. Without these sparks, we don't have inventions. Without these sparks, we don't have art, so on and so forth. After only a couple of years, that got changed because Michael Eisner said, we need comedy in this thing. <laughs> this needs to be funnier. Let's make this funnier. So they changed the ride, shortened it, and they brought in Eric Idle to be the scientist at the Imagination Institute. And now we're at the open house for this Imagination Institute. And now it's a little bit wackier. Uh, and Figment has pretty much been erased from the show. He makes a cameo in the pre-show of this. He makes a cameo at the end. But basically, his character is kind of wiped out. And that's about it for Figment until people hated that <laughs> attraction, Journey into Your Imagination. So they said, okay, okay, okay. Let's revert it back to Journey into Imagination. We can't do a whole lot of reshoots. We can't do a whole lot of other stuff. So we'll keep Eric idle. We'll get rid of the Dreamfinder. But let's add more figment 2002 disney was loving a chaotic character in the early 2000s shout out stitch think of figment as the precursor to a stitch character because figment now has a voice he wasn't really speaking before and it is the most grating annoying high-pitched voice and now the attraction is we are going to show how the five senses lead to your imagination. Except no, not all five. Two of them are, aren't on display for us. So in fact, we're only going through three. Doesn't this attraction sound great? I stopped paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> so as you go through, Eric Idle's character is trying to explain to us what these senses have to do with imagination. And while he's explaining it, Figment is mucking it up, messing it up. He's got his high-pitched voice singing along to the song. At one point, he turns into a skunk and butt blasts us <laughs> in the face with skunk fumes. I My jaw has never hung closer to the floor than on this attraction. They poor figment. <laughs> he was the cute icon and even like mascot of Epcot, and he was completely... Uh, menacized and i hate it for him so that that's who he is that's figment the the dragon he's the figment of our imagination who's become this kind of menace character much like a stitch up against madame mim who is obviously from sword and stone they have this magic off uh between merlin and madame mim and she cheats at the end by becoming a dragon and the dragon that she becomes is very similar in style to like an elliot from Peach Dragon, 
She can breathe fire. She can do all the dragon things, but she still has the facial features of Madame Mim. And it doesn't last very long because Merlin ultimately wins that magic off by becoming a germ that transmits a disease that gets her sick and forces her to change back into her, her old self. Uh, the dragon's cute is really fun. Uh, it's just kind of a, a split moment. But what I like about Madame Mim is that we get the transformation. I think that's very Disney of them is having this character transform into a dragon a la Maleficent. Um, but you also have a, a, a Parks character who really embodies kind of that whimsy of the dragons, right? Where you have more of so, similar to like a Mushu, similar to even like a Jake Long, some some childlike dragon. So this is a little bit closer than I had first anticipated. I think I'm going to go with Madame Mim here. Hmm. And I'm going to do that because Figment's final resting place right now is actually the worst thing that Figment can be. Like if I was judging on Figment right now, just how Figment is without the history, it would be a landslide victory for Madame Mim. But because he has that history, I'll give him a little bit of a padding there. But Madame Mim's still going to take it for me. Yeah. I mean, Figment may be the most overrated Disney character of all time. <laughs> and, and I honestly think that more people like the idea of Figment. Uh, it's like a Figment of a Figment. Right. right. <laughs> if we're using the logic of the imagination pavilion. Uh, and it's the same with like the orange bird. Like there's, there's this <laughs> like um, people bird. that rally around these, these sort of like classic parks characters just because it, it, it's like we've talked about before. It's like an, if you know, you know, like insiders. Yes. So like reference and it's like, Oh, like if you know figment, like you really are like a Disney fan or whatever. Mm. I don't know. It's just stupid. Like gatekeepy stuff. Um, one of my favorite then content warning, uh, get your finger on the bleep button, uh, parents <laughs> fast forward in the next two minutes or so. One of my favorite insults that you can use to like in the English language is to call someone a little. Yeah. Listen here, you little. <laughs> uh, and figment is the perfect definition of being a little. There's that is perfect. That's the perfect descriptor for who figment is. It's not. Anything more than just being incredibly obtrusive. Yes. Like you are jamming me up so hard right now. You're not <laughs> doing any real damage to me. So I can't really do anything about it, but you are seriously grinding my gears right now. Yep. Yep. The image that I've used um, on this graphic that I've created for this podcast is not a figment cartoon version. It is not a figment animatronic version. It's actually the figment figment popcorn bucket. Uh, because if we want to take this whole figment is awful thing one step further, the absolute pandemonium that was uh, people trying to buy figment popcorn buckets a few uh, years ago caused a total meltdown at Epcot. It was just the perfect character for that to happen to. Like if it was like a, you know, Disney Skyway, yeah. gondola car, popcorn bucket, whatever. But it's like that stupid figment popcorn bucket is going to be staring back at me and on <laughs> eBay for $500 in 15 minutes here. People are like posting listings for it while they're in line for the figment popcorn bucket. And it just uh, in that moment represented every single thing I hated about Disney parks culture. It's the perfect definition of being a little shit. like that scenario doesn't affect you at all. It's nope. harmless to you. Yep. People showing up to grab the popcorn buckets and resell it. And still, Figment is at fault, that little shit. Hate him. 
All my friends hate figment. All my homies hate figment. So then you've got Madam Mim, which <laughs> I mean, yeah, also don't really love her. Um, like you said, they're in this wand showing contest, uh, if you want to call it that. And <laughs> honestly, she only pops into dragon form for a brief moment. I will say, in that brief moment, she really captures the uh, idea of the power behind being a dragon. It's mm-hmm. that ultimate, you know, like I said earlier, the final boss character where Mim and Merlin are transforming into different animals and creatures trying to one up the other one. And they have this rule that no dragons, because that is clearly the best creature that again, like that we've ever conceived. It can do the most damage. It is the most fierce. It is the biggest. uh, And that's what Madam Im goes with. So she feeds into the lore of dragons. I think a little bit better than figment does. Um, I mean, we're going to have an issue as we go deeper into this podcast with like things that are always dragons versus things that transform into dragons briefly, like what is, what has always been a dragon. It's going to get really confusing. I think for this matchup, uh, I'm going to go with Madam Mim as well. Uh, I I really would have loved to throw it to Eric and Alyssa for the tiebreaker, (laughs) but a figment, like I just, if I have the chance to just chop him from this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and, and do that. Uh, so, Eric and Alyssa, would you agree with us sending Figment home here? Yeah, 100%. I remember being in Disney World a couple summers ago and not knowing anything about this ride, but being so fed up with this little <laughs> named Figment on the ride. So, looking at that picture, I was like, oh, God, it's that guy again. <laughs> so, yeah, agree. <laughs> I'm on board. He haunts your dreams. <laughs> uh, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket where we have the number two Mushu versus the number 15, the Cursed Dragon from Onward. So if y'all don't remember the Cursed Dragon from Onward, basically the final boss in the movie Onward, they go back to near um, Ian and Barley's high school and they Mm -hmm. have to uh, retrieve some type of like gems or something. Yeah, it's the like Phoenix gem. And once they grab it, the curse is put into the situation and it creates a dragon with whatever is in the immediate vicinity, which in this case was a high school. Yeah. The gem locked up the curse in the fountain that was in town. And so when Barley goes to grab it, which they need to bring uh, daddy legs back to life, uh, he releases the curse and the curse then forms itself into some physical being. And that is a dragon. It's sort of a comedy moment more than anything because it was the funniest part of the film. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it uses the face of the mascot of the high school as the face of the dragon. Um, And it's just kind of funny because normally you imagine a villain character to have a very like expressive evil face. And it's just like this straight face derp, like dragon (laughs) drawing that is supposed to be like, really um, threatening our main characters. So it's kind of funny in that way. It also makes it feel like it's really not a dragon. Like it's a curse in the shape of a dragon. Sure. But I will say that it behaves possibly the most dragon-like out of all the dragons on this show. 
like on this bracket. It is it moves, behaves, has yeah. the wingspan of an yeah. actual dragon. Yeah. Uh, dragons need really big wings in order to like propel them into flight. Um, don't get me started on some of the <laughs> physics behind like dragons with like badass holes in their wings and stuff like that, because like that's a whole other problem. Um, I really don't believe that this cursed dragon could fly using the, the laws of aerodynamics that we know today. Um, <laughs> sure. But I mean, Bird law is like a totally different thing. So. <laughs> yeah. Mushu, like we all we all know Mushu. Mushu's thing is that he is maybe not a dragon. He is maybe a lizard, but he is the smallest dragon that has ever existed. Basically, the unlikely, extremely unlikely hero. This is yeah. the least liked of uh, Mulan. All of Mulan's ancestors. He is tiny. He is kind of annoying and hard to be around, very abrasive, and yet he is the one who is like tasked with saving Mulan or protecting Mulan, watching over her. I often think about like what is the alternate version of Mulan where the great stone dragon is awoken and comes like to Mulan's aid? Is he like just a giant dragon walking around the military encampment <laughs> yeah. or like, can they see him? I don't yeah, know. Is don't he know like sitting on a mountain watching from a distance? <laughs> he's definitely not hiding in the rice bowl. No, he's not. No, he's not. I, I mean, Musho has an interesting character because for being someone who is like so difficult to get along with, he also has this desire to be that guy. Like he wants to be a dude. Yeah. Um, uh, right up there with the monkey and there was like another, there was a couple other creatures that like are along the top of the little gazebo or the shrine, the ancestor mm-hmm. shrine. I can't remember mm-hmm. what the other animals are, but Hey, Hey, do you mind going over there and lighting the incense in the ancestor gazebo? Yeah. He's, the, he's hey, the little, uh, acolyte. by the gazebo and say hi to grandma for me real quick. He's a little altar boy, <laughs> which hey, you need, you need those. You need Listen, those when you're a, a ghost and you have a bunch of other ghost friends that you can't wake up yourself. You need a guy like Mushu on your roster. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we have to go with Mushu here. Uh, I think for me, it goes back to that that unity thing. You know, at the end of the day, Mushu is the is that guy. He does help Mulan defeat Shun Yu. She ends up coming back. And all of the ancestors get together and they party and they look past their transphobic differences. And uh, <laughs> a, a lot of that is thanks to Mushu. So, yeah, we got we got to move move him along. Yeah. Talk about something that doesn't age well. It's the ancestors uh, in the movie Mulan. I agree with you. It's definitely Mushu. Onward was a bad movie as it stands. <laughs> so I don't even want to move the dragon along. So. I agree. Number two moves on. Eric, Alyssa, I would assume you're also going to move Mushu on. We love Mushu. <laughs> Mushu stands. Mushu stands. All right, let's move on to this next matchup where we have another onward participant here. It's the number seven, Blazy, taking on the number 10, Queen Narissa from Enchanted. And I'll tell you what, forgot both of these characters exist. <laughs> You sent me a screenshot of the Disney account that posted uh, a shot of Queen Nerissa, and you're like, who is this? 
<laughs> and you're like, bro, that's the that's Queen Narissa on our bracket. And I was like, I better start researching <laughs> because I don't remember a dragon. And I ultimately do remember Queen Narissa yeah. transforming as a dragon. Enchanted is a really solid film that generates a very foundational story while poking fun at fairy tales. Uh, and part of that poking fun is that at the end, when you think all is well, it's not because Maleficent, Maleficent's going to turn into a dragon. And that Maleficent is Queen Nerissa here. So uh, I don't fully remember the entire situation scenario because I only watched the dragon clip itself. But there is some saving that happens between uh, Dr. McDreamy and uh, and our girl, uh, what's her character's name in this? Uh, Ricky it Bobby's is. girlfriend. Uh, Ricky Bobby's girlfriend. What's her name? Giselle. In Enchanted. Giselle. Uh, and Queen Nerissa is like, that's cute. Watch this. Turns into a dragon, monologues for a little bit, swatches, snatches up McDreamy and then climbs out the window and continues to climb the tower like King Kong. Uh, and at the top of the tower, continues to monologue. This is a dragon we're talking about. Like, what are we doing here? Why are we climbing this tower? Why aren't we flying away? Why aren't we just doing the things? And I understand that it's all to poke fun at this trope about the evil person turning into something else. This case, a dragon like a Disney's Maleficent would. Uh, but it just was like at that point in the film. 2007 CGI. Let's get through this. Also defeated by falling from the tower. So dragons don't fly. You're not gonna like recover from the fall from the stumble. You're I not. I think she got holes. She over? got holes in in her dragon form. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. So they obeyed the laws of dragon phys physics by not letting her fly with the holes in her wings. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. Think about Maleficent. Put it in Enchanted, and that's basically what you have. Uh, to the point that she is kind of like killed, not by our main characters, but by the side characters, but also by the main characters. It's just, it's a, it's a messy ending, but whatever. So that's who Queen Nerissa is. Uh, looks very similar to the dragon in Shrek. Like, if the dragon in Shrek <laughs> had more details, it would be the Queen Nerissa dragon. But also, I hated the Queen Nerissa dragons because at one point, in her monologue, she picks up her hands. They're just like big human hands. Why aren't they like dragon hands? That CGI was really weird in it, that movie. It's so off-putting. It's just like these long fingers and like these little talons, but not like claws. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, gosh, I hated it. Uh, so that's Queen Nerissa. Up against Blazy, who is the family pet of the Lightfoot family in Onward. Think about a dog. That's what Blazy is. Blazy is a dragon, but behaves like a, a human dog. So it's a pet. Uh, not a whole lot to Blazy. Just a dog. He's got that dog in him. He got that. Blazy's got that dog in him. I'm going to go with Queen Nerissa. Only because that feels like more of a Disney dragon than Blazy, who is a small dragon that behaves like a dog. Uh, so number 10 moves on for me. I mean, both of these are like joke dragons yes one yes, of them yes, yes. is 
you expect a dragon to have a super deep voice and roar, but it's just Susan Sarandon's normal voice. <laughs> and she speaks with the exact same like tone and timing. Uh, and then Blazy in this world where mythical creatures are given new careers and roles <laughs> in society. The most ferocious of all is now basically a little chihuahua. Yep. Uh, so I don't love either of them. It's basically just, who do we want to lose to Mushu in the yeah. next round? <laughs> yeah, battle uh, of the basement. I'm going to choose Blazy just so that I don't have to make the decision. So Eric Incredible. and Alyssa, you're breaking the tie. Oh, man. Oh, uh, great. great, 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 great. Can't wait for this one. Eric was not listening to the no, 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 Queen no, Nerissa I, bit. I, I'm locked in. I'm locked <laughs> in. <laughs> I want to say Queen say Nerissa. Here, say, okay. Because she's easy on the eyes, you know what I mean? She's a hot dragon. She's furry. In human and dragon form. Mm -hmm. Pretty cool dragon. Like a betta fish looking. You like those hands though? (laughs) Yeah, did you look at those hands? I know, we can see the hands. I don't like the hands at all. She's the starting center for the New York Knicks with those hands. She's out there humming and dunking. The crown too. We're going to talk about dragon biology. I mean. I don't know. I think... I think I like, yeah, Nerissa yeah, because I think I'm with you. I think I'm she with looks you. like a betta fish and I like them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Blazy's a little silly. Like He I reminds think... me of Forky, like Forky energy. Mm. Yeah, he does. Big he Forky does energy. Big yeah. Forky energy. What Big the fork? Fork. BFE. <laughs> fork. Um, all right, let's move on to the next matchup. <laughs> it's the number three seed Maleficent versus number 14 Hydra. So... Kyle, Oof. a couple of years ago, we did a bracket on the best Disney deaths, and yeah. I would like to resubmit Hydra. I can't, and another content warning, graphic description coming in hot here. Imagine swallowing a tiny man with a sword and then getting <laughs> your own head chopped off from the inside. From the inside. Yeah, that's brutal. It is like one of the most graphic deaths I've seen. Period. All the fluids. And yeah. in the in it, like you see the the cross section of the Hydra's neck, and Hercules does like a whole scene, and Hydra's esophagus and like meat neck meat is just like sitting yeah. there while they're chatting and it up. And it's CGI neck meat that's juxtaposed <laughs> to like hand drawn animation, so it looks even grosser and more real. I yeah, absolutely. Just got a little goo, like a Wait, little sheen to it, you know? Did Hydra die though? So I then, thought that's when the necks grow back. So then Hydra comes back to life. <laughs> Hades says it's just halftime, uh, and then the more heads uh grow back. So right. Hydra is a a real real mythical creature. That's an oxymoron, but um the the reference is one that is rooted in 2,700 year old mythology. Um, Hercules fights the Hydra in one of his 12, t- 12 trials. Uh, so this is basically just that drawn to the Disney screen. And the idea of the Hydra in mythology is that when you cut off one of the heads, two more grow back in its place. So in this moment in, in Hercules, we see that, yes, he is exhibiting uh, outstanding strength, but in order to overcome the trial, he has to show just a little bit of wit as well when he uses his super strength not to 1v1 the Hydra, but he uses some location damage from the mountaintop to, to bury him uh, permanently under the rubble. <laughs> from the perspective of like, is this a dragon? 
I would say it's not a dragon, but it is serpent-like. It's a serpent-like creature that has four limbs, uh, and it's mm. got that long neck too. Uh, so for for our purposes, I think it's it's close enough. Again, represents that final boss type character, which I think suits a dragon really, really well, especially, especially in Disney. Especially Disney one, yeah. And speaking of, I just I think we have the goat example of that on the other side of this mashup in Maleficent. I mean, watching that whole sequence from when Maleficent says, now you have to deal with me and all of the powers of hell and transforms into that dragon, like from that moment all the way through, like when the, when filthy Phil throws that, so I guess he didn't throw the sword. He got some help. He put his hand up and the fairies threw it for him. Uh, that is just such an amazing action sequence. Like not just like, oh, the Disney animation is good or like, oh, it's cool. <laughs> Like that is just a really exhilarating like film moment. Like it's one of those things where you can tell that they used some serious um, references to draw Phil's uh, movements and uh, just, it's just really awesome. Really, really awesome. Love the color palette, the purples, the greens, the blacks. It's beautiful. This is a moment where the dragon is sort of the pinnacle of power, but also the pinnacle of pure evil. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really sure that I buy a dragon as being pure evil. I do buy it as being extremely powerful, but I don't know that I am in love with the dark connotation of Maleficent's dragon form. Um, just because like we're talking about Lunar New Year and the dragon is celebrated uh, in so many Eastern cultures. Uh, I don't really know that I love it being this antagonist. I think for this matchup, though, we got to move Maleficent on. Yeah, I I imagine the Hydra. I've always imagined the Hydra is more of like a serpent like creature. And I, that's kind of how the Hydra is described. If there's two things I don't like in the world, just creatures wise. Uh, number one, raccoons, because they can stand up and they will fight you at any single moment. And number two, anything that looks like a serpent, especially if it happens to be a water-based serpent. It's if I'm Sisu. in the water and something touches me, herself. Sisu, eels, flotsam and jetsam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this hydra. Uh, this scene terrified me as a kid. This was scary. Those things were terrifying because we had been watching this 2D animation for the entire first act of this movie. And all of a sudden, this kind of realistic Hydra shows up on screen. Like, what are we doing? Where am I right now? Terrifying. They're great as that, that trial period for Hercules. They're great villain for him to have to fight. Uh, and I like that. But I just don't see them as a dragon. I think Maleficent... Based on how iconic she is in and of itself, she needs to move on past the Hydra here. Uh, listen, Eric, would you agree with that? Definitely agree. Definitely agree. Um, I like the idea. Uh, the Hydra, thanks for bringing up, Chris, that the Hydra is a real thing. You guys got to read Greek mythology. I took a class on it at Same. UC Santa Barbara. Let's go. Me, me too. I'm pretty sure. We weren't in this it's class. It's like an 800-person <laughs> lecture hall. Yeah. It's like a giant We're all class. sitting in, in corners. <laughs> just not know. I took it at 8 a.m. too. So yeah, can you imagine it, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like, 8 a.m. Oh, my God. We were all classmates. Like, yeah. No, that wasn't me. We I wasn't 8 a.m. I was not 8 a.m. I'll tell you that. 
I was like, but that did bring me back thinking about the hydras and good stuff. No, I think Maleficent has to move forward. Uh, shout out, shout out, uh, Greek dragons and just like all the serpents of Greek myth. Shout out, shout out, Greek dragons. Shout out Greek. Uh, and let's talk about another adjective dragon. We got the reluctant one, reluctant dragon taking on the dragon uh, from Disneyland. <laughs> the not Paris. reluctant dragon. Not super reluctant. So if you're like, mm-hmm, who's the reluctant dragon? Yeah, you're okay with wondering who that is. Uh, this film was a direct response to Walt Disney being asked, hey, hey, uh, we love your work. Can we get a tour of the studio? He's like, I don't want people in my studio. I don't want these normies on my ground. So they made a film in which the main character is trying to pitch Walt Disney a story that he read. He didn't even come up with it. He read called The Reluctant Dragon. So he shows up to the Walt Disney Studios and in between him showing up and him meeting with Walt, he is walking through the studios. So we get to see Dumbo in production. We get to see how uh, cells are inked. We get a we get a switch from black and white into Technicolor at one point in the film. It is really just a, a documentary type uh, propaganda for the Walt Disney Studios so that people will stop asking Walt for tours of the studio. So just go watch The Reluctant Dragon, man. And we show you exactly what we do back there. The last 20 minutes of the film, Reluctant Dragon. <laughs> so we get a 20-minute short uh, that is about this dragon uh, who has been spotted and a village that is nearby is terrified because, of course, the dragon is going to come and kill all the villagers. So this little boy, who I'm going to call Elliot, <laughs> because it seems like El- it seems like Pete, who I think is Elliot, rolls up on the dragon, and the dragon is just this little proper posh boy. He doesn't want anything to do with destroying villages. He loves poetry. He plays the flute. He wants to kind of just be left alone to dance and be proper by himself. So a little kid goes back to the village and is like, yo, this dragon's not that bad, but uh uh-oh, the dragon killer has already rolled up to the village. So the little boy goes back to the rocking dragon and goes, yo, the streets are hot. We got the murderer in the vicinity. You better get out of here. And Reluctant Dragon's like, bring bring the dragon killer to me. Let's have a talk about this. So the dragon killer gets, the kid convinces the dragon killer, who looks a lot like uh, uh, the, the servant of the king in Cinderella, by the way. Uh, he gets brought over to the dragon and turns out they both love poetry, bro. Both the dragon and the dragon killer are a couple of poets. So they say, hey, let's stage a fight. Let's, you die, the village thinks you're dead, you can go live your life by yourself, I'm the hero, everything's good. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So they put on the show. Dragon killer fake kills the reluctant dragon, but the villagers notice that the dragon's not dead. But they don't care because that show was so great they're like, oh my God, this dragon's not even that bad if he was able to put on this play for us right now. Let's indoctrinate him into the village. Now he's a, an honorary villager. You don't even have to watch the film. I just told you what it was. That's the reluctant dragon. Annoying as hell. It's just like, who is this? It's a mix between Elliot, the dragon, like in looks, and also just like, I don't know, Mr. Smee or something like that. Like we, we don't, I'm not into it. I'm not into the reluctant dragon. Up against the dragon, which is the sickest dragon in Parks history, besides maybe, I think it, what, at 
Disney World during the what was the daytime parade? The fantasy of something. Festival we got a fantasy, dragon. yeah. We, we got a dragon in that one as well, and it was pretty sick. But this one resides under the castle uh, in Disneyland Paris, and there's a little ca- cave walkthrough that you can go into. And when you reach this bigger room, there's a massive sleeping dragon in there. Massive animatronic. And it's there. It's breathing. You can hear it. You can see some smoke kind of coming out of its nose. And all of a sudden, if you're there at the right time, that dragon's going to wake up. It's going to wake up. It's going to start roaring. Its head's going to start moving around. It's going to look like it's going to spew some fire out at you. It spews a little bit of smoke sometimes. Like It is an incredible piece of imagineering technology it is awesome it definitely wins in this matchup just because it is one probably more well known than the reluctant dragon and two just a better like disney dragon than the reluctant dragon itself i i will shout out the reluctant dragon does a lot for dragon body positivity um (laughs) because most dragons are expected to be pretty fierce, um, pretty physically built, and the reluctant dragon really has no interest in going down that route. Just enjoys a nice picnic and doesn't really do a whole lot of maintenance uh, to the old physique, which I can respect. I mean, All right. yeah, dragon I doesn't need that. I'm with you on the dragon from Disneyland Paris. My absolute favorite fun fact about this dragon is they built in a feature to make it breathe fire. But just before opening, they decided to turn it off because they realized if the dragon effect, they realized that if the head movement effect for some reason failed, it would blow fire directly into guests faces. Yeah. Yeah, you are close to this thing. Which I don't know how they made it that far without realizing that that may actually happen. But (laughs) yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about some of the background of of that particular piece uh, in the next episode because we're going to go ahead and move the dragon on. Um, Eric and Alyssa, do you have any knowledge of the reluctant dragon or is is this a new character for you all? I feel like as you were vividly describing it, Kyle, it sounded like something I had watched maybe in one of my film classes that I took in in school, like an elective class or something. But beyond that, no, not really. And we're mesmerized by a clip of the dragon. So I would I would agree with your decision. It looks very cool. Would love to see it in person someday. Hey, Mouse Madness trip to Disneyland Paris 2025? <laughs> Billy. Yeah. Disneyland Paris. Let's we can check it. out the drone show. La What's Danielle du Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We'll pick up the next episode with our round of eight. That looks a little something like number one seed Elliot from Pete's Dragon versus number eight, the American Dragon himself, Jake Long. The number mm. four seed Sisu versus number 12, Madam Mim. Number two, Mushu versus number 10, Queen Narissa. And number three, Maleficent versus number 11, the Dragon from Disneyland Paris. Eric and Alyssa, thank you again so much for hopping on this dragon related episode. Thanks so much for having us. We had a blast. So much fun, guys. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you have some hot dragon fire takes of mm. your own, send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. All of our channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash 
Mouse Madness and join us at the $5 level. Folks, we will catch you in the next episode. Game, set, match.